Welcome to Weather Jazz, a world audience podcast about anything and everything. Weather, science, earth science, astronomy in particular today. Periodically, some interesting off-topic episodes. Also, for no other reason other than your host finds interesting, and I am your host and the creator of the Weather Jazz podcast, Andre Bornier. I'm the senior meteorologist on staff with WJW Television in Cleveland, Ohio, and this is episode number 136 for Sunday, December 20, 2020. And this is the 11th day of my planned 11-day vacation from WJW Television. But I'm stepping back into the podcast realm for the second time during my vacation. The first time was to talk about the huge snowstorm that we just recently saw basically to our east where places in New York and just north of uh, Albany into southern Vermont picking up over 40, 40 inches of snow. And there was even a report that Peru, Vermont, received over 44 inches of snow in a 24-hour period. It is being investigated as a potential brand new record. For the most amount of snow ever received in a 24-hour period in that state, the previous record, J-Peak, 40 inches. So we'll see if uh, that record is going to hold water, so to speak, or in this case, hold snowfall. Okay, here is the reason for today's episode. And we're talking about uh, the conjunction of two planets, uh, the likes of which we've uh, not seen in a little while. And uh, the two planets are Jupiter and Saturn. There's been a lot of hubbub about this, that uh, it is occurring very close to the Christmas holiday season. I've even had a number of people, a number of you that are listening to this podcast, hey, why don't you do a podcast about the Christmas star. And so we have to approach this very carefully because there's some interesting little nuances all about this. So it is going to be my attempt to give you the astronomical perspective and not so much the speculative aspect of this with regards to what happened when Christ was born uh, more than two millennia ago. So let's really approach this from an astronomical perspective. The conjunction is between the planet Saturn and Jupiter. Now, Saturn and Jupiter have been in the sky together for a number of months and making a beautiful uh, appearance in the evening sky. You could clearly see these two huge gas giants very easily illuminated in the evening sky in the southwest. But uh, on the 21st, that's going to be on a Monday, we're going to see these two planets come very, very close together. And I'll post an animation on the show notes on weatherjazz.com, episode number 136, so you can see it. The two planets will come together uh, in such a way. Now, it won't be one on top of another, but it will be so close that uh, it will be comparable to having both planets inside the disk of the moon. Now, it won't be 
inside the disk of the moon, but it, it is there for reference. So just kind of Im- imagine what the moon would look like in the sky and look how close these two objects are going to appear on Monday. Sadly, we are not going to be in a great position to see that if you're listening to this podcast from Ohio. Now, I've got a lot of podcast listeners from around the country, so check with your local forecasts, and hopefully your skies, wherever you're listening from, will be mostly clear. And if it is on Monday night, look low in the southwest sky just after sunset. You're going to spot these two very bright objects. That will be Saturn and Jupiter. The brighter one is Jupiter. And the one which is not quite as bright is Saturn. And note how close that is going to be. Now, if you're in an area that sees a lot of cloud cover, I'm sure there are going to be plenty of pictures posted. Probably one of my favorite go-to websites is spaceweather.com. And I'm sure that you're going to find in their gallery Many, many pictures that get posted of uh, these two beautiful planets of ours. Now, uh, what makes it so special is that the conjunction of uh, Jupiter and uh, Saturn don't happen that often. Uh, The most recent one before this in 2020 was in the year 2000. But uh, the separation was about 10 times the distance, arc distance, as this one is. So this one uh, is the best, closest approach that we have seen in quite a while. Anything that comes close to it was back in the late 60s. 1683, to be precise, when it was um, a little more than 11 arc minutes away. But the one that is probably most comparable to the one that we are going to see on Monday, for those of you that can see it, happened all the way back in 1563, and that was in the month of August when the separation was 6.8 arc minutes. That's very, very comparable to what we'll be seeing on Monday. So it does happen periodically. The closest one, uh, and we're only going to go back to uh, the year 1000 AD, was uh, back in 1226 in March of that year. The separation was only 2.1 arc minutes, which is almost one right on top of each other. You've got to get, you've got to have really good eyes to be able to uh, separate those two uh, as they come very, very close together. Uh, So it does happen periodically. The next one, just in case you're wondering, is going to be in November of 2040, but uh, that's going to be 72 arc minutes away. So that's about 10 times the distance we'll be seeing this go around. And uh, if you're waiting for the next one that will have these two planets come close together visually, that's going to be in the year 2080. And that occurs in March, March 15th. So As you can see, these uh, conjunction, the conjunction of these two planets can occur virtually any time of the year uh, when the orbital positions of the moon, 
Jupiter, Saturn, and the Sun are just right. And there are some of these, by the way, that we don't see because Jupiter and Mars have their uh, orbits outside or or a longer distance from the Sun uh, when compared to Earth. There are times where the Sun kind of gets in the way because the Sun can actually uh, be behind this whole array and uh, or be in between the Earth and the pair of uh, planets, uh, Saturn and Jupiter. The sun can be so close that it's essentially impossible to see. Uh, The sun has to be on the other side. So uh, suffice to say, it does happen every, uh, oh, 20 or 30 years or so. And on average, the Great Conjunction occurs once every 20 or so years or the possibility thereof. Uh, So, because it is occurring right around uh, the Christmas holiday this year, there are people that are calling it uh, the reoccurrence of the Star of Bethlehem that uh, we read about in the Gospel of Matthew. And by the way, it only appears in the Gospel of Matthew, and the Magi make an entrance into the Christmas narrative only, also, in the book of Matthew, or the Gospel of Matthew. So here's where we delve into the speculation part of it. It's something that I think every person has or should take a good look at and study carefully. But here's where things get interesting, and again, all speculative. The Magi were from the East, and it has long been uh, speculated, and probably with pretty good cause, that the Magi, 700 years before, were students of the prophet Daniel. And the prophet Daniel foretold of the birth of Christ 700 years before it occurred, and uh, Daniel actually predicted right to the day from that point, the number of days between the prophecy and Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem, and that is the Palm Sunday that Christians celebrate. So roughly taking into account that, the Magi might have very well known roughly when the birth of this king of the Jews would occur. So whether or not it was something in the astronomical or something in the heavens that indicated that his birth was imminent, and whether or not it was perhaps the conjunction of Saturn and Jupiter, we don't know. Kepler, long time ago, the astronomer from many centuries back, speculated and calculated that this conjunction actually occurred in about 7 BC. And uh, so there are a lot of people that say, okay, this might be the, the particular astronomical event in conjunction with the number of days calculated uh, from the prophecy of Daniel, that uh, this might be the period that uh, Christ was born and might have started their journey. Now, here's something else interesting. Most people don't realize that the Magi were not there at the manger scene. We see a lot of Christmas cards with the star, bright star, painted in the heavens. And, of course, you have the shepherds there. And you have 
three magi. Now, we don't know how many magi there were. Magi is plural, so we know it was more than one. We know that there were at least two, but there could have been 200 or 2,000. There could have been a huge caravan that caused the stir in Bethlehem and uh, the leader at the time, Herod. But the Magi were on the scene about two years after Christ was born. How do we know this? Well, we look at the Gospel of Matthew. And we started at verse 7, and it says, Then Herod, who was the leader of the area at the time, called for a private meeting with the wise men, the Magi. And he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, Go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child, and when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star, now this is important, then the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem and went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. So essentially, this apparition, they're calling it a star, but it was a very bright object, whatever it might have been literally stood right over the place where uh, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph were two years later. Uh, Jesus was a toddler at that point. Uh, Now we continue in verse 10. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy, and they entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him, and they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, there are three gifts, and so there's a lot of tradition that say that it was three magi because there were three gifts. Again, that's all speculation. It was definitely at least two, but it could have been a whole lot more than that. We continue on in verse 12. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. And the the story goes on, verses 13, 14, 15, 16. Uh, Herod was furious, it says in verse 16, when he realized that the wise men had outwitted him. And he sent soldiers to kill all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under, based on the wise men's reports of the star's first appearance. So we know that the Magi were not there at the manger scene. They came into the picture about two years after the birth of Christ. And uh, so uh, there you have it. it. It's kind of an interesting story. Uh, But uh, uh, here's where speculation takes over. What was the star that led them right to the very house that Jesus was living uh, at at the time in Bethlehem? Uh, Could it have been a star? Well, that is really going to be a difficult reach only because If the star is immediately overhead of that house, guess what? Uh, Because of the fact that those stars are so distant, they would be over every single house, not only in Bethlehem, but in all of Israel and all of uh, that part of, of the world. 
So there are a number of uh, places, there are a number of people, including myself, that say this was a supernatural event. It was not a star astronomical per se, but a bright object that led them directly to the house where Jesus was. Uh, nonetheless, it is still very interesting that uh, this conjunction is happening so close to the place or the date on which uh, we celebrate uh, Christ's birth and uh, thus Christmas. So uh, it is with uh, kind of an interesting awe that we'll look to the heavens and think about this story and uh, think about what might have been. There are a lot of details in this whole story that uh, you can talk about and think about and do the research yourself and uh, just look at it and, uh, and, and look at it with great awe. So the great conjunction of this year, 2020. When is the next big one? As we mentioned, the next big one, I won't be here, uh, 2080. That's going to be March 15th, not December, March 15th. And it will be just uh, a little bit closer than the pair are coming up on Monday, six arc, arc minutes. And uh, it uh, doesn't look like uh, that uh, will repeat itself for another many hundred years. Uh, I'm looking at a chart that goes out to 2398, uh, and that one is 65 arc minutes away, and anything uh, even remotely close to what we will see won't occur until 2358, and that's going to be on my birthday, May 22nd. Looks like uh, I'll be about 400 years old <laughs> on that date. Uh, so uh, maybe if this podcast is still around, you can celebrate my birthday um, on that date, my 400th birthday. Imagine that, 400 candles. At any rate, very interesting stuff. Uh, and uh, so if you are outside the zone where cloud cover will inhibit this view, and that's unfortunately going to be for a lot of the viewers that watch Fox 8 in Cleveland. Uh, but if you're listening to this podcast outside of that, uh, post some pictures if you want, and uh, you can do that by leaving a comment on weatherjazz.com, episode number 136, or just kind of keep an eye out for some of the images that you're going to see online everywhere. Uh, again, my favorite is going to be spaceweather.com. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And please do let other folks know about this podcast. Now, I'm counting on you to get the word out, to tell your friends that you subscribe to this podcast, especially if you get something out of it. Special thanks to those of you that have partnered to support Weather Jazz to expand future episodes and the frequency. They include Christine Barnes, Ohio, Bill Martin, Florida, Andrea Rich in Tennessee, Neil and Don Manassa in Virginia, and O'Keefe's maker of working hands and healthy feet. And that uh, list, I'm sure, is going to grow going into 2021. I'm looking forward to a great year of Weather Jazz updates. But before that happens, I've got maybe one or two more podcast episodes to go in 2020, and they will include 
my favorite podcasts to listen to and another episode of my favorite weather jazz podcast that I have produced in 2020 so that you can go back and listen to them just in case you're a new podcast listener and you can uh, really get pointed to some of the ones that I thought uh, were really very, very cool. Well, if you have a question or a topic suggestion, I welcome your input. You can reach me at weatherjazz at yahoo.com, and you can also text me or voicemail me at the Weather Jazz Podcast Audience Connect line, the number 234-525-5888. Again, that's 234-525-5888. If you're looking for my Twitter or Instagram account, you can follow me. It's at Andre Bernier, A-N-D-R-E-B-E-R-N-I-E-R, or on Facebook by looking for the Weather Jazz Podcast page. And we'll see you with a couple of those new episodes to wrap up 2020 very soon, right here on Weather Jazz. Weather and science across the globe. Weather Jazz Podcast.